Welcome to Authorized, a podcast where we irascibly discuss the novelization of any film fortunate enough to have one. Novelizations do the dirty work of sanitizing a movie with a PG rating into something so inoffensive it could be handed to a toddler as their first book. They prioritize zippy action and dialogue, while shrewdly identifying which sections of the story are best glossed over, leaving an entertaining, if insubstantial, product. Amidst their pediatric fodder for the school lunch-eating masses, novelizations present some genuinely inspired sentence constructions, as well as deft executions of on-page comedy. Novelizations are a light snack. We are your hosts, a loose coalition of novelization enthusiasts. My name is Andrew Overby. I'm Hannah Blackman. And I'm Andrew Marco. Shanghai Nights is a 2003 American action comedy directed by David Dobkin. It is the sequel to the 2000 film Shanghai Noon, in which uh, Zhang Wang, portrayed by Jackie Chan, pursues Chinese kidnappers into the American West, where he forms a fraught yet ultimately rich bond with unlikely ally Roy O'Bannon, Owen Wilson. In Shanghai Nights... Wong and O'Bannon reteam when another plot against the Chinese emperor takes root in Great Britain. You'd really expect that a series about Chinese insurrectionists constantly trying to dethrone their own leaders would be pretty localized, but nope, it's incredibly globetrotting. The novelization of Shanghai Nights was written by Ellen Miles, based on the screenplay by Alfred Goff, or Alfred Go, or Alfred Guh, <laughs> how you want to pronounce it, and Miles Millar. It was published in 2003 by Spyglass Entertainment Group. The previous film, Shanghai Noon, sadly, sadly was not novelized. Who is Ellen Miles? Ellen Miles was born in New York City in 1957 and granted no middle name. <laughs> her mother, Betty, was a professional author of children's books. Between Ellen's adoration of her mother, as well as of authors such as Beverly Cleary, she would someday follow in the same professional footprints. Miles is an avid dog lover and is best known for writing the Puppy Place books, which concern Charles and Lizzie Peterson, child siblings who desperately want a puppy, though their mother is skeptical. As a compromise, their mother allows the children to foster dogs in their home while she deliberates on the decision. Charles and Lizzie's passion quickly becomes matching puppies with the perfect owners. Though they find their work fulfilling, one must assume that, after 64 Puppy Place books, the Peterson's mother is some sort of emotional sadist, <laughs> forcing her children to love and release repeatedly ad infinitum. Miles' website specifies that we, she will not take requests to write a Puppy Place book about any reader's dog, no matter how nicely the reader asks. I'm going to take that one more time. That must happen so often. It must happen so often. Um, I just imagine, I guess I'm keeping this in now. I just imagine that she gets like these letters written in crayon <laughs> that are like, my dog spot is so pretty and so fun. And she's like, I unfortunately, there's just not enough meat here on the bone. <laughs> Uh, she suggests, with affection, that any such story should come from its loving owner. Okay, Anne Rice. What's that? Anne Rice just died today. Not only did she just die today, I don't understand the reference. I saw a quote from her today, because uh, she obviously, R.I.P., died today. 
and it was all about fan fiction. It's like I like my characters are copyrighted. I don't want you writing about them. Write your own characters. She very famously <laughs> would sue, and it's annoying when you're like, I just her vampires don't fuck, but you want to read about vampires fucking, and you want to read about those vampires fucking, and it's like. For a very long time, it was very hard to find Anne Rice fan fiction online due to her legal contentiousness. I was not aware that you could successfully sue over fanfic in general, given that <laughs> for the most part, it doesn't generate revenue, right? Yeah. Fifty Shades would disagree. Well, mm. that's a burden on all of us. <laughs> Sorry. I got go more ahead. about Ellen. Great. <laughs> Ellen Miles lives in Vermont. When she is not prolifically conceiving puppy place books, she ghostwrites for the Babysitter's Club and enjoys riding her bike. She novelized both Shanghai Nights and The Flintstones in Viva Rock Vegas. Our guest today, an actress, a master of the art of collage, and at one point, although she specified, you know, deeply in the past, a... Best Actress winner at both the Nice International Film Festival and the Amsterdam International Film Festival. Uh, our guest is Zoe Pike. Zoe, how are you doing today? I'm great. Thank you guys so much for having me. <laughs> I'm excited to be here. Thank you for coming on. Um, now, a- a- Hannah was the one who brought uh, Shanghai Nights sort of to our attention as a as a movie that could be novelized, but Zoe, you have a, a pre-existing relationship with the film, is that correct? No. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, I wish I did, but actually, I had to watch Shanghai Noon, and then watch Shanghai Nights, and then read the book. Wait, you had not even seen Noon? No, I hadn't even seen Noon, and so this wow. actually introduced me. Yes, thank you, because it introduced me to the movie that now every single time I bring it up to somebody, every single person is like, oh, yeah, great movie. Shanghai Noon is like A++, excellent from beginning to end. Yeah, yeah, I felt like, how have I missed out on this for this long? So thank you for introducing me. <laughs> wow, I'm just really recovering from that face plant of an intro I just tried. <laughs> No, that's all right. Wouldn't I mean I I I reached out to you to be on this episode because I was just like fun person, fun movie. I don't know at what point I crossed my my wires and was like that she loves that she lo- <laughs> she loves this movie. She just you know Owen Wilson, Jackie Chan. There's just something going on there for her. yeah. Yeah, every time uh, Zoe's drunk at a party, she just keeps talking about like they haven't finished the trilogy, and it's not fair to the fans. It's not. <laughs> Have you guys heard of the Shanghai series? That's just another trilogy we've covered now that needs to be finished. Sister of the Traveling Pants, Shanghai. Give one more example. Um, Joel Schumacher's Batmans. Could he <laughs> used a third one? Actually, Hannah, that's a great call. So, uh, Hannah, k- kicking things over to you. Yeah. Uh, you are very vocal about your love of these films. What's your history with them? And... Uh, I don't know. What, how do you feel about Noon? How do you feel about Nights? Well, as mentioned, I do think Noon is pretty much just the bee's knees. It's so wholesome. It's so sweet. I think Roy O'Bannon is like the Owen Wilson character, like a perfect use of him. So great. Jackie Chan is so fun. The fight scenes are wonderful. They have great chemistry. Noon is fantastically fun. Walt Goggins is in it. We're all having a good time. Shanghai Nights is a movie I watched like a thousand times when I was like 14. 
why I had a crush on Aiden Dillon, the villain. Oh my god! Oh my I don't god. know why. It was just a thing where I was like, he's cute, and so I just was like it his spiky hair. I must have been, and it must have been. I, I can't speak to it. Thought he was super cute. Continued to watch Shanghai Nights over and over again to the point where maybe I hadn't seen Shanghai Noon first when I was younger. So for most of my life, I was like, Shanghai Nights rules. It's great. So fun. Then recently, I had an Owen Wilson peak, and I just like was watching like whatever. Um, watched Shanghai Noon, and was like, A++. Watched Shanghai Nights, and was like, oh, wait a second. This one is cornier and worse. <laughs> It's like, still good, but cornier and worse. <laughs> yeah, like not not quite the pinnacle that is noon. I do want Shanghai Dawn or whatever the third one would be so bad uh, that not even some of the the failings of Shanghai Nights could turn me off. I just want to clarify, Hannah. Yeah. Did you say it was cornier or hornier? Yeah, I heard I cornier heard with an H. Oh, um, with the H, is, yeah. It is mildly cornier with a C as well, but it is, like, compared <laughs> to, like, Shanghai Noon, which is very, like, cute in the way that it's horny, you know? It's like, Owen Wilson just, like, likes to kiss girls, and you're like, well, that's cute. Like, Shanghai Nights is, like, just full-on, like, horn dog central, <laughs> um, which is not present in the novelization. Yeah, they so, yeah. really had to tone that down. Yeah, almost everything yeah. in the book is, like, is, is like completely uh, smoothed over. Yeah. Like the 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 horniest thing in the movie, which is the the sequence, the dream sequence in which he gets his face licked. <laughs> it's like they don't even just lift the face licking out; they lift the entire dream sequence. It, yeah. In the book, it's like the car crashed. Suddenly, a goat was licking him. Yeah. <laughs> like, they also don't include the sexy pillow fight. That's there what I was gonna fight. say. It's just between the dudes. Which it's like a brotherly okay, I'm down with that. But I this mean, movie also has big date the sister, so it's not gay energy. Yeah, <laughs> like a story, yeah. you know, one of my favorite Hollywood tropes. If you're make, if you're gonna have all those horny sequences in the font in this book is like size twenty four. Those are some pretty big words to have. Like reading on the bus, she licked like, his face. <laughs> yeah. The person next to you on the bus you is have like, like, what are you reading? Like the, the book is very clear that like Roy likes women and wants to get married would it be so no wrong gigolo, well that's 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 we should let him have that he's not ashamed of it and we shouldn't be either but like i don't think it would be hard to be like then they were joined by a bunch of women and roy was having a great time like i don't think it's particularly gross to be like some boys like girls you know yeah they could have added some of that in there without it being like over sexualized they could have just been like and now there's some ladies in here too you know and I did think it was interesting because at the beginning of the movie, whenever Chan goes and like finds Roy and is like, give me my money. And Roy's like, oh, I lost it. Now we have to go make our money. And they're like, oh, let's go with these women and we're going to make our money back or whatever. And it, they end up being like the mayor's daughters. The mayor storms in and he's like, where are my daughters? Where are the girls? And they're like, oh, they're upstairs. And it's this whole thing in the book. Not at all. Not at all a thing. They're just like, and they stole from the mayor and now he's mad. <laughs> it, it was just so bizarre to me. I was like, okay, I, I believe it, but I liked it better when he was after his like wild child daughters. <laughs> I had uh, similar thoughts of like, it, it's crazy how much they're just cutting out of this movie. Um, yeah. Which I, I actually thought worked well, uh, as I sort of said in the intro, this 
if you're picking up the novelization of Shanghai Nights, you're not trying to have like an immersive, you know, really fleshed out experience. And so the way they pared it down so much that it actually is just like a book that you can read in two hours. I, I thought that worked well. It, it, it was interesting to me because, um, Zoe, we've had um, uh, Gavin Smith, a guy who writes novelizations on uh, a couple of times. And he's like uh, expressed that for the movies he's done that they, they sort of like make you pad the book a lot because they want to get the page count up to make it look like, you know, like a thick book. That'd be like fun to read. And I, I wonder with a junior novelization for children, if the author is just told the exact opposite. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, you are dealing with a kid. Kids cannot pay attention to everything. This book needs to weigh less than an acorn. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> they probably do. That also is probably why this book is mostly action scenes. Mm-hmm. Like the dialogue parts, the like emotional like arc is really pared down. And it's mostly like descriptions of like fun fight stuff. Mm-hmm. Totally. Although the second movie, Shanghai Nights, the one we're discussing, I think in general just has pared down emotional arcs. Yeah. Because in the first film, just as an example, there's a plot point where um, Chong or John, whatever we're calling him, is becomes upset with Roy because Roy is basically very racist. Like he's hanging out with a woman and the woman's like, you hang out with a, a China man, his words, not mine. And uh, he's like, no, I wouldn't do that. Come on. Like, what do you think? And so that's like a big problem. And then they spend five minutes of the movie going apart and then coming back together and reconciling. And in the version that exists in the sequel is that Roy is like, hey, talk me up to your sister. And John's like, okay, I'll do that. And then he goes to his sister and he's like, Roy sucks, don't date him. And Roy gets mad about that. And he's like, he tells him immediately what he's mad about and they get over it immediately. It's like a a 30 second conflict. But it features my favorite visual gag of the movie, not present in the book, which is there's like they, after Owen Wilson overhears uh, I will call them by character names. I'm so sorry. After Roy overhears Rang saying he's a bad person and you wouldn't bring him home to meet your family, there's a like cut to Owen Wilson curled up on his bed, and it's the funniest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> I think he just like is so abjectly depressed in his clothes on his bed with his knees up to his chest. And I'm just like humor. Even more concise than that emotional arc, Andrew <laughs> though is the father of. Jackie Chan and his sister at the beginning of the movie is basically like, I have no son. My son is dead to me. And yet in his pocket at that moment has a package ready in case of death. That's just like, I love you, son. I'm so glad you did your own thing. Yes. So yeah. there, he's, he's already there. It's not like he has a growth. He's like, I have no son dead. Take this thing that says, I love my son. Yeah, I, that's a fantastic point. I, I mean, the stone was obviously switched out at some point because whatever stone the dude actually had in his pocket would have been like, I wish you'd call or like whatever. <laughs> the sister's like, uh, this will be a little bit better. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Hey, let me see that. Maybe I can open it. She, she opens it up, stuffs a different rock in. It kind of seems like the key to opening it is just pulling it in two separate directions. So she probably had that figured out. Yeah. She, she's a smart person. I was going to say, she's really smart. She picked a lock with a freaking playing card. Like, I think she's got yeah. a freaking monkey box under control or whatever it's called. 
I thought that the 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 box with the rock in it, whatever it was called, was one of the most disappointing things about the film. Because it's set up in Act 1 as like, I don't know how to open it, I'm really working hard on how to open it. And then as Hannah says, you just have to pull in two directions. And this is the type of movie where I want whatever is in the box... To help them. To save the day. Yeah. Yes! Yep, you want it to help them. I didn't hear a rock like jiggling around in that box at all, by the way. <laughs> like the whole movie, there was not a rock in that box. It had to be well padded. <laughs> <laughs> that's one to put on imdb goofs <laughs> <laughs> where was the rock <laughs> oh my god i saw the funniest when i was looking at the imdb trivia earlier uh, there was something along the lines of just like shanghai nights is a sequel to shanghai noon and it was like one out of two people found this interesting it's like who's the one who what one person thought that was interesting compared to the guy who's like i already knew that not interesting <laughs> yeah, yeah totally <laughs> so We've brought up Shanghai Noon several times, and while I saw both these movies probably, you know, closer to when they came out, I only rewatched and read Nights for this. So could you guys give me a rundown of, like, what is Noon in a nutshell? Sure. It, it, Zoe, you and I watched this together. Do you want to tag team this with me? Yeah, yeah, let's do it. Yes. Yeah, so it starts with uh, Princess Pepe, who is basically getting kidnapped but she has no clue she's getting kidnapped she like thinks she's in love and she's down to be kidnapped she's like take me with you and he's like great so glad she's coming with me takes her to carson city randomly where who's kidnapping oh yes yes sorry i forgot um uh, it's unclear it's not really clear who's kidnapping her it's not really important either yeah It's it's just a guy who's oh it's not like the villain no it's a guy working for the villain And the villain even is like an old Imperial Guard or something. I don't even... I also wasn't 100% sure what he... Do you guys know? All I know about the villain in that... Well, first of all, Shanghai Noon has so many villains and like mini villains too. It's true. Um, But the, the villain villain, the one who kidnapped the princess, is like in some way overseeing the construction of the American Railroad and like all of the slavery that that entails and the slave driving that that entails it's also a movie where there's a white villain and an asian villain as i remember is that correct yes uh xander berkeley is playing um van cleef our good Uh, buddy xander berkeley yeah yes (laughs) real delight to see him pop up um but yeah sorry zoe to to interrupt your synopsis oh my gosh no you're good we're tag teaming this so it's all good um Yeah, basically, like, they go to Carson City, and she's like, oh, crap, I'm actually, like, kidnapped, and now I'm stuck here with all these slaves, (laughs) (laughs) like, and Jackie Chan saw her get kidnapped, and so the Chinese government is like, oh, we have to go find her, we're gonna have, like, three of the best people, and Jackie Chan is not one of them, he's not one of the three best, he just gets lucky, his uncle is, like, leading the charge, and his uncle is like, he's my only family, let me take him, and so... Jackie Chan gets lucky and is going to save the princess with them. And he's in love with her. He's so in love with her. That's so true. You're right. He's so in love with yeah, her. Yeah, he's in love with is her. Is she the as princess well. of China? Or is she like yes. a princess? I think she's the princess of China. Yeah. Let's not get weighed down in the nitty gritty. She's royalty <laughs> and they took she's her. She's movie royalty. Yeah. <laughs> and Chan Wang is in love with her. So basically, uh, there, there's a, a portion of the movie early on where they're on a train and. Uh, the train is robbed by 
Owen Wilson and his, like, gang of robbers who were very much signaled by the movie to see, like, these are criminals, but these are good guys. Like, uh, at least Owen Wilson. His, some of the people in his employ are, like, loose cannons and, and kind of... Um, kind of dangerous, but he himself is, is very much reading as like, I'm like an he's affable dude. Pea. What's that? He's a sweet pea. He's a sweetie. Yeah. He's the right. sweetest little oh. cowboy who ever done lived. He's only robbing you because he has to, not because he wants to. Right, right. It, the, you know, a movie that tried to do that, that it has just always pissed me off is my main knock against the town. You guys see the town? No, that's funny. Max just asked me earlier today if I'd seen it, and I haven't. So I'll watch it. Yeah, it's good. People love it. It doesn't totally work for me. And and I understand that like the protagonists in that movie are supposed to be kind of villain protagonists. But the movie demonstrates like a lot of affection for the protagonist by the end. And their motivation for like being bank robbers is like, I don't know, making money's hard. But they're like all like strapping like 40 year old men who are like relatively attractive living in Boston. Like, I think you could find a job. I think you could find yeah, something to do. <laughs> yeah. That movie also similarly though, has like the Ben Affleck character. who's like a good guy. who's only doing this cause he has to. And then the like Jeremy Renner guy. Who's like, I love crime. I'm happy right. to be doing crime. It's what I'm good at. Right. I'm good at crime. Yeah. The, the the difference, I think, and just to bring it back to Shanghai Noon, is that in the town, Affleck and Renner are, like, so buddy-buddy um, that even though Renner is the one doing atrocious things, it does sort of reflect onto Affleck because he loves the dude so much. Whereas in Shanghai Noon, uh, when we're on the train, like, uh, Owen Wilson has a guy working for him, a new guy played by Walton Goggins, you know, just the best. Um, who is, who is like a loose cannon. And I believe Walton Goggins shoots Jackie Chan's uncle, if I'm remembering correctly. Yeah, he does. And so a big point of, uh, contention in the movie becomes that Jackie Chan basically blames Owen Wilson for the murder of his uncle when it was really this guy that Owen Wilson barely knew. Who then betrays him and buries him neck deep in the sand. So, like, immediately Owen Wilson's connection to these bad guys is cut. <laughs> totally. Uh, for us, I, I actually take issue with this a little bit. I, I think that for us, it's very clear that Owen Wilson and Walton Goggins are not on the same page. However, I don't think the movie clears up that Jackie Chan ever comes to understand that. Yeah, I, di- I didn't think about that until just comes to love Roy now. for who he is. They grow so much together. But his whole thing, his whole idea of like honor and and family, it it seems like that should really be a deal breaker for him. And I think you could pull off a scene where they have a fight about it. And Owen Wilson's (laughs) like, look, that's not my guy. Like, I feel terrible that your uncle got murdered or whatever. It just doesn't happen. And it's weird. And it's especially weird when in Shanghai Nights, the plot once again revolves around Jackie Chan feeling butthurt that a family member got murdered. Yeah, that's very weird. He has a bad life. That sucks. Yeah. That's <laughs> well, I think, uh, and and we'll we'll get through the the plot synopsis of Shanghai Noon, but I I think <laughs> that when I watched Shanghai Nights initially, I was like, didn't like it as much, but like it had its own ideas and and cool stuff. And then as more time passed, I was like, you know what? It actually was the same movie. There's a lot of similarities, like the fact that. 
it's a about someone trying to throw uh or overthrow like the chinese government and the fact that it involves one of jackie chan's relatives dying and then the two heroes falling out but then making up and i, I don't so know. many parallels there's like bathtub scenes there's different they're playing the greatest hits yeah after sure. one album they released the greatest <laughs> hits album <laughs> also just thought of something weird that in shanghai noon the uncle is like oh let me take john wayne with me because he's my only family and blah 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 but then i'm like wait a second apparently he has a dad and a sister like you have a brother and a niece so that's kind of not true he just really like lied and put himself on the line so that jackie chan could come with him on this journey so going from the the train robbery i'm trying to even think what happens next um hannah you're correct that Owen Wilson's uh, like gang buries him neck deep, deep in sand. Jackie Chan's like finds him and is like, point me to where I need to go. I need to get to Carson City. Owen Wilson points him in the wrong direction. I think it's like a test being like, if this guy stays and digs me up like he's agreed to, I'll tell him the right direction. Jackie Chan, like a dick, is like, all right, <laughs> thanks for the info. I'm going to take off and climbs over a mountain range. He leaves him two chopsticks. He, he leaves him two chopsticks in his mouth to dig himself out with and then goes over the mouth. Which he does. We must acknowledge. Yeah, he does. Which he does. <laughs> Needed that time lapse. Needed that time lapse so bad. Okay, but uh, just uh, to make sure that this doesn't become good burger to go. <laughs> how do we how do we zoom through the plot of Shanghai Noon? Zoe, what's like the 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 thrust of the conflict? I think that basically like the two main characters, like Roy and John, end up like running into each other and they end up getting in a huge fight, kicking everyone's asses. They become wanted men and they're suddenly on the run, seeing these wanted posters everywhere. You know, Roy's like excited that all the women are going to want him and stuff. And Jackie Chan's like really pissed off because he's like, I'm not a bad guy. You're making me look like a bad guy. And then here comes Xander Berkeley, ready for the showdown, ready to uh, kick some butt. Xander Berkeley playing like uh, a police officer, essentially. He's like a yeah, U.S. Marshal or yeah, something. Yeah, pretty much. Hunting Roy O'Bannon. Yes. And I think that we forgot to mention that one of the best parts of this movie is that um, Jackie Chan's character, Chan, ends up marrying this Native American woman who the dad says... Against his Against will. his will. And the father mm-hmm. of her is like, hey you're never going to meet a guy that fights like that again. So take care of him. And she's like, (laughs) okay, I will. And she literally saves his ass every single time when they're in jail. She busts him out. She's constantly coming and like scooping him up. And so they end up getting arrested. She busts him out. The, the, the jailbreak scene in Shanghai noon is maybe the best part of the movie with the fucking (laughs) shirt thing. Yep. (laughs) Yeah, really good. Funny For the stuff. listener, I'm assuming you've watched Shanghai Noon, but if you haven't, they're trying to break out of the prison and uh, Jackie Chan's like, oh, uh, wet silk doesn't break. And and uh, uh, Wilson's like, I don't know what you mean by that. And so Jackie Chan, what, uh, pisses on his own shirt yep. and then ties mm-hmm. it around the jail bars, uh, twists the shirt so that the bars like bend so that they can fit through and owen wilson has the immortal line <laughs> he says, you said wet shirt, wet shirt don't break you didn't say piss shirt bend bar. <laughs> <laughs> <It's so good. laughs> uh, i think shaker I... is very funny <laughs> 
So I have a very important question. Okay, well, I've got answers. Again, I, I only watch rewatch nights for this. Is the horse in the first Yes. Movie? Yes. Because the second movie begins in, like, like with the Jackie Chan storyline, in this, I assume, the same town he's in at the end of Shanghai yeah. Noon. Yes. And he has to leave his horse to go to New York. And I wanted to make sure this wasn't like a Revenge of the Sith Yoda saying goodbye to Chewbacca, where you're like, no, no the they, horse is a major player. But so they they had a real relationship. Yes, the horse was, and it, it's always sitting down at the wrong times. Yeah, yes. yeah, so, it was his wife's okay. horse who he had a very love hate relationship with. That at the end ended up being a good relationship. Does she live? She does, but weirdly enough, that's like the only movie that the actress has ever been in, and so I don't know if she just like didn't want to do movies after that and didn't do the sequel or if they just didn't write her in but he's in love with a princess yeah and actually right. so his wife jackie chan ends up with the princess yeah his wife ends and up. owen wilson ends up with the native american woman. yeah a little polyamory going on there <laughs> so wait he the native woman and the, the princess are in love the the relationship between jackie chan and and his native american bride is not really romantic so he basically is made to marry her by like her community um and he goes along with it and they like each other like they're friendly and she keeps saving their butts so i thought for sure oh this movie's going to go towards they actually do fall in love but then brilliantly at the end of the film uh they're just like you know what the, the, they weren't really married they didn't really know each other so jackie chan gets with the princess instead and the Native American woman gets with Owen Wilson. And it's like, yeah. yeah, that's probably how it would actually work out. I think one of the funniest jokes in the movie of Shanghai Nights, which is not in the book, is when John Wayne shows up in New York. He's like, what happened to the Native American woman? And Owen Wilson's like, you know, we didn't really have anything in common, it turns out. We just thought each other were hot. We just, like, hooked <laughs> up for a while. It was really fun, but we didn't speak each other's language. So eventually we parted ways. And by the way, I haven't learned from that at all, and I still date people just based oh on their bodies. <laughs> no, something as we get into this movie versus book, there is a line in the movie Shanghai Nights where he's re like regaling the the women, like the mayor's daughters, at this hotel about his experiences. He says he gave all his gold. I assume there was some gold. In the first movie, they keep after they gold. like so yeah. they brought the gold to save the princess. Like they were gonna, it was a ransom. It's a ransom. Yeah. Um, but they end up killing everybody and then getting to keep the gold. Okay, so they Owen Wilson mentions in Shanghai Nights that he gave his gold to the Indians, and one of the women he's with is like, "Oh, those savages." And he's like, no, you can't talk about them that he way. He stands up for them. He's like, they're noble people. They're really noble. And that's cut from the book. Yeah, it's not in there at all. Maybe because it, it, because it invokes nudity. But they still could have had him be like, those people are savages. He's like, hey, that's yeah, not cool. Yeah, I agree with that. I thought that that was weird. There was another part of the book that, like, I didn't like the rewrite of it. There's a part where... um. At the very beginning, we're seeing Jackie Chan as the sheriff and there's a carriage coming in and he thinks it's going to be the princess. And so he runs over and they're like, oh, no, it's not her. And like, it's not going to be her kind of like, why do you keep coming over here? And he's like, yeah, 
she's working in San Francisco, you know, she's really into her work. She's a modern woman. And he says it kind of like endearingly, like he loves that she's a modern woman. In the book, it's totally, he's just like modern women is like what he says. And I was like, okay, that feels different. <laughs> That's a different tone. I, I, I was not clear on their relationship in Shanghai Nights. Or is, is Jackie Chan still dating the princess is she ghosting him like what is happening i kind of thought that i mean it's unclear because he's he's still willing to have like a naked pillow fight with (laughs) a bunch of prostitutes which i want to know how that escalated yes i had that exact question when when they were shown naked i was like how did that happen and there's no way it's not sexual I'm sorry you guys haven't had sexy pillow fights. That's he was, it was a, it I was, mean, he so was making obvious. it, it was because, you know, they'd just gotten in a fight and he really needed to do something big to win Roy back. So he, he really had to go yeah, rally a bunch them. Of ladies, they all take their shirts off. Yep. Yeah, but my problem is that, like, sexy zo- <laughs> pillow fights with strangers, they either start clothed and stay clothed, or they start nude and they stay nude. The fact that they, like, got nude, and I think it was nude. Because they're like they're the only ones who are naked. They're like covering their junk in pillows. Like, I like at what point during a pillow fight do you just strip naked? That's the part that really got me. I it would also be something because Lynn is coming up to the room and you expect I because they were before that they were just shown in like their long johns. So I'm like I don't know what she's gonna think is so weird. It's just her brother and his friend in long johns like having a pillow fight with women. (laughs) But then they're naked. But you're also like, but like, wouldn't it be more if like the women were naked too? Like, I know it's only a PG-13, but like they're all everyone's covering up. Like, it does. It's a weird situation. I would be just more confused than hurt. Yeah, <laughs> I agree. Why didn't they invite her to the pillow fight? Really? I mean, if you're all just having casual fun together, you know, no stakes, no sex. She's right down the hall. Give her a hug. That's so true. She's probably like, why was I not invited? That's why she leaves after I that. I have a sexy pillow fight with this cute blonde boy. Yo, okay, so actually... She's in way less of the book than she's yes, in Yes, and the scene after this in the book, it's very weird because in the movie she sees that and she's like, oh, I'm annoyed. I'm going to go on a walk. And she like goes on a walk and while she's walking, someone's following her and she knows she's being followed. And of course it ends up being the bad guy and all this stuff. What I think is weird is that in the book, they like make a comment about how she has such great direction. And like while her and Roy are flirting, she's like, oh, I have amazing direction. And then it says that she sees the pillow fight. She gets pissed off and leaves and gets lost in the city. And I was like, wait a minute. Well, they had to replace what happens in the movie, which is she runs into Jack the Ripper. Yeah, she run- and she kicks his ass. <laughs> and kicks yep. him off a bridge. <laughs> That is so good. I wish that was in the book. The thing that's so great about that joke is that there's a lot of jokes, especially in Shanghai Nights, that are like, get it? Get it? (laughs) And that joke is just like, Jack the Ripper comes up behind her, says something creepy. Oh, how are you tonight, my love? And she just kicks him off a bridge. And it's like, done. We move right on. I think he might try to stab her. What's that? Okay. He might. I have some... I want to get on this for a second. Uh, This movie... Is a little historically inaccurate. It is. So we've got little... Let's just go through these. There are three... If you count... Not counting Queen Victoria and the royal family, there are three real-world characters who we encounter in this movie and book. Charlie Chaplin, who at the time this book takes place, 1887, was not born. (laughs) (laughs) And is presented as being about 12 to 13 years old. He was born two years after this novel takes place. And is played by little baby Aaron Taylor Johnson. <laughs> Crazy. Um, 
Jack the Ripper, who, according to Wikipedia's killing sprees, had not begun yet. Nope, 1888, I believe. And Arthur Conan Doyle. Who was already publishing stories. Yeah, he publishes first Sherlock Holmes that year, the year it takes place, but was also not a police officer. Not ever. He was was (laughs) a doctor who was ultimately knighted. He became Sir Arthur Conan Doyle because of his work in like a field hospital in South Africa. You're forgetting a real a real life character, which is there is a reading of this movie if you're embracing that it takes place in an alternate history that suggests that Jackie Chan (laughs) is the film actor John Wayne. (laughs) And we also must acknowledge that at the end of Shanghai Noon, it is revealed that Roy O'Bannon is actually Wyatt Earp. Yes, yes, which. And they just don't even touch that in Shanghai Nights. Like, the like the one-two joke at the end of Shanghai New that's like, oh, my name is like the joke of I'm John Wayne. I'm John Wayne. And everyone's like, that's a horrible name for a cowboy. Funny. And then like the end button of my name's actually Wyatt Earp, but that's a terrible name for a cowboy. Yep. <laughs> Makes me laugh so I much. was bummed that in this in Shanghai Nights, they gave up Charlie Chaplin right away because in the movie, it's at you we don't know the kid's name until the yeah, very it's really end. Late. And then in here it's like, oh, he's Charlie the whole time. I'm like, okay, I guess they didn't want to just say the boy. The boy stole the seal. <laughs> does it happen in the movie where he does like the little soot mustache? Or is that He did it. Movie? I think it does happen yeah. in the movie. I was a little checked out because it was a 2-hour movie. It was a little it was at the very end. He was already in the like car. It was very like I think it was last minute on that. Yeah, I, I am seeing online that Charlie Chaplin was an orphan, so it's like, and he famously had like that. I don't know what the the film is called, the kid or the orphan, or whatever. Like he's very famous for having hung out with a kid who is an orphan in his films. So it's a very cute homage in that way, oh. also. Yeah, it, it was uh, weird. Well, let me put it this way. I understood when they revealed that at the end of the movie why that kid had been sticking around so much. The whole movie, I just found him so annoying. I was like, go away. Let my like hunks hang out. <laughs> yeah. Do you think, speaking of people sharing names, do you think that uh, Aaron Taylor Johnson, having been on the scene for like 25 years, is annoyed that his initials have been stolen by like a a popular actress who's all over the place now. Who? What actress? Anya Taylor-Joy. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Do people people call her ATJ all the time? They should make a movie together, and the poster should just be ATJ versus ATJ. I do want to circle back to the Jack the Ripper just because there is one thing in this book that made me laugh out loud while reading it, and it is when they're in Scotland Yard and they meet... Artie Doyle the first time, he's like, oh, the great hero of the West, Roy O'Bannon, you have to help me catch this guy, a murderous fiend who calls himself Jack the Ripper. And Roy's like, look, I got my own shit going on. I'm way too busy emotionally to help you with that. <laughs> Just like, does I laugh real hard. I like- does Owen Wilson have the same sort of anachronistic way of speaking in the first movie? Yeah. I mean, he's just Owen Wilson. Yeah, I was watching this with my girlfriend, and she was like, so is he a character who, like, came back from the future in the first movie? And Because he's just, like, <laughs> saying stuff that feels like Owen Wilson in 2003. It's like, oh, like, England in the 1870s, like, what's all this all about? Remember in the book, uh, remember in the book how there's that line where uh, Jackie Chan criticizes the way he speaks? 
He's like, oh, if you're trying to pretend to be a a British elite, you have to talk differently than you normally do. And Owen Wilson's like, no, like my normal speaking voice is good. And then something that definitely doesn't happen in the movie happens in the book, which is Ellen Miles writes (laughs) that Jackie Chan speaks in a perfect British accent. That's crazy because there is a deleted scene, which I wish was in the movie, where they do that, like, let's practice our British accents. And they're both just speaking exactly as they always speak. And at the end, they're like, good. Okay, we got it. I think we're doing That's a good amazing. job. That's amazing. It's so, so just, funny. It's just the Inglourious Bastard scene. Um, with almost, I guess, but like with less effort. Like, okay. it's wonderful <laughs> to watch, like to listen to Owen Wilson be like, it's me, I'm British. And he's like, so Texan. And Jackie Chan's like, yes, also British. Very, you know, his Chinese accent. And then they're both like, I think we nailed it. Let's go. <laughs> it's I really think the funny. fact that the, the book suggested that Jackie Chan did nail it was the craziest part. I agree. That really took me off, off foot. Like, it really requires that you don't know who plays the character <laughs> for you to like buy that well, I part was, of the, um, I was imagining the joke. In, in that deleted scene that would exist would be like Owen Wilson does his and it's just Owen Wilson trying to do a British accent and then Jackie does it and they overdub like Rex Harrison or something. <laughs> yeah. like British voice ever. That'd be so good. Can can we talk about the fact that uh, I think Ellen Miles definitely didn't get to see this movie before I agree. This book? So what's your evidence for it, Hannah? Um, she describes the villain as blonde. Yes! Whenever you were talking about how you liked him, I was like, maybe she didn't because she thinks he's blonde or she wants him to be blonde. Like, she says it yeah, so I, many times in like the first page he's on. And like his hair in the movie, Aiden Gillen's hair is like, it's jet black. I mean, it's his real hair yeah. color. So this is, uh, my partner and I had this back and forth where she was like, oh, his dye job is so bad. And I was like, I don't think that that's a dye job. I think that his hair is so atrociously, intentionally over gelled that it's causing you to believe that his entire hair situation is false. But I like pulled up the x-ray and I was like, look at this little politician looking man who like could be your governor. He like has a nice haircut, but he's got the same exact color hair. Yeah, it's like she didn't even have like a full casting rundown. Because you would never look at Aiden Gillen and say, they're going to make him blonde for the movie. Mm-mm. That's right. bizarre. <laughs> he, it's uncomfortable how young he is in this. Like, I think of him more with a little more salt and pepper. Mm-hmm. Even in, like, Dark Knight Rises era. Like, he just, like, I'm used to him feeling a little more weathered. And his skin is, he's just got a little too much baby fat and too much gel in his hair. And I just, I didn't know what to make of it. Cute. Cute. How did you feel, Hannah, that his plan was the exact same plan from The Great Mouse Detective? My favorite of Disney movies. I really put that together on my last viewing of Shanghai Nights, where I was like, oh, this movie is deeply indebted to Great Mouse Detective. And I love that. It's the same. In Big Ben. Mm -hmm. In the gears of Big Ben. Yeah. The plot, like the the plot to overthrow the queen is the same. And then they finish the fight in Big Ben. And I'm just like, yeah, Mouse Detectives. I have to assume that Grace Mouse Detective is happening simultaneously, (laughs) actually, lower down in the clock. And even their names, Rathbone and Radigan, are similar enough. I mean... Great Mouse Detective does not have a scene where Owen Wilson gets kicked out of the face of Big Ben, which rocks. And that's, you know, really the major difference. To our listeners, um, I do have a running letterbox list of movies that just have a lot of cogs 
And <laughs> if there's any that I'm not aware of, uh, you know, ch- check out the list and uh, please do let me know. I want to see all the cog movies. If there's a fight in a clock or really anything that has similar type machinery, I'm not a stickler. It can just be kind of like cog evocative. Doesn't have to be literal, <laughs> so does, literal cog. So, do the Beauty and the Beast films make that list? Because there is a character named Cogsworth. You don't really see his insides very often, though. The The rule is basically Cogs as a setting. So otherwise, you know, I'd, I'd be like putting on every, any movie that shows a factory or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So the plot of Shanghai Nights. Does someone want to explain to me what the villains are trying to do? Because I'm so fucking confused. Like, sure. I get that Aiden Gillen wants to be royalty. But what is the relationship between the two villains? Yeah, what do the Chinese people have to get out of this? They so the Chinese people don't get anything. The Chinese people get a new ruler because basically this guy was like, "Oh, if I get the seal, all the other bad guy other countries will trust me, and I can basically like get everyone to overthrow China, overthrow the emperor, and then I will okay. be the emperor." And the Boxer Rebellion is happening. Oh yeah, so the I Boxer. Will- Rebellion. I think that's, that's the thing. Event. Right. Because the Boxer Rebellion is mostly like, let's get China out of Hong Kong. Is that wrong? Is that the most wrong I've ever been? And we I honestly don't know. So you're already <laughs> ahead of me. Because <laughs> I was about to say, and I think this is wrong, that the Boxer Rebellion is the people of China saying, hey, England, get the fuck out of Hong Kong. That belongs to us, actually. Which would explain um, to an extent why this English guy ever meets the, the bad Chinese character who is Donnie Yen, who wants to the ruler of China. And they decide to work together that like when Aiden Gillen is king, he will remove England England's influence from China. And when Donnie Yen is emperor, they'll I don't know. It's like a win-win for the two of them is what they've decided and they're working together to do these two things simultaneously. That's the part the part that you hand waved is the part I was really stuck on. Is <laughs> like what do the two villains really have to do with each other and why do their plots have to be linked? I, I just didn't understand their power dynamic. I just think it's so silly that you have this like elite group of like Chinese special forces basically helping you overthrow, and you're not taking out the nine people ahead of you in any sort of like interesting or covert way. It's like, all right, we're just gonna have someone shoot a machine gun, right? <laughs> yeah. It, it wasn't clear to me in the movie until I read the book that they were planning on framing um, Jackie Chan's sister, but. And, like, I don't know where the machine gun was invented, but it's not like that was some Chinese innovation that would No, they acted like they invented the first one. They were like, this is the only one that's ever been made, and this is, and it's a new thing. So, I don't... Also, very, like, anti-gun that that the book... Basically, that the characters recognized that that was a horrible thing, a machine Mm -hmm. gun. Like, I feel like if you were to introduce that to somebody from back then they wouldn't be excited but they'd be like oh okay so like shoots a lot okay cool but immediately at least in the book they're like what a terrible thing you've made how could they're like oh that's not gonna be good like very much like a 2003 sensibility coming out of their mouth also like gatling guns existed in the civil war is that wrong I'm not even clear what century these movies took place in. So. <laughs> the 19th. The 19th. Come on, man. Come on. How do you guys feel about the idea that the entire movie was written to fit the title? Yeah, that 
Good. That they would be knighted at the end? No, just that they were like, we did noon, let's do knights as like a play on time of day. And then they like reverse engineered an entire movie. Because to me, like the if you're going to do a movie abroad, the obvious choice is not England. I don't know. It just seems like such a specific setting to have chosen that's not inherently exciting, even though they make it exciting. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was also probably pretty easy for them because you might think the obvious one would be to do owen wilson in china like make him the fish out of water in the second that's the third movie that would be fun yeah but i mean i'm just thinking about like budget i'm sure there's just a lot of you know parliament sets and big ben sets out there in the world already and they're probably like hey we can make this movie uh, a, a lot cheaper given that our stars are pretty expensive by just like choosing the cheapest mm-hmm. foreign country. And I don't even think they filmed this in England. No, I don't but think so. Cheapest foreign country to replicate. Right. For our movie. I'm not mad at it. No, I, I think it works fine. It, it I just do think that they started with a title and, and that dictated the setting and then the plot. I think they really started with how can we get the phrase spotted dick into this <laughs> Yeah, movie? that definitely wasn't in the book. <laughs> that definitely doesn't make the book. Yeah, for the listener, the 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 sequence in the movie where uh the our heroes are offered spotted dick as a as a food and Owen Wilson makes the joke, I just met this guy and he's asking me if I have the clap. <laughs> <laughs> and the shooting blanks because um that was the part that's oh, the part that really that. drove it home was like at the beginning, Roy is saying he doesn't know if he can have kids. He shoots blanks. And whenever Jackie Chan's talking to his sister, he's like, you don't want to be with him. He shoots blanks. And Roy is like, how could he tell her that? Like, he's so upset about it. And yeah, that was not in there at all. And the idea that she just fully understood what he meant was shocking. <laughs> oh, yeah. All my favorite bits from the movie are not in the book. Well, Hannah, what bits are you talking about? Because the, sure. you decried the horniness and everything we just mentioned was a yeah, horny Yeah, I'm joke. not mad that there's less horniness. I'm not. Like, that's not the thing. But, like, when the they're in the barn, they get locked in. It's on fire. In the movie, Chun Lin, like, does cool shit to get out of the roof. And, and Jackie Chan's like, okay, Owen, you do it. And he's like, what in our history together would make you think I'm capable of something like that? <laughs> Which is extremely funny, is not in the book for no reason I can figure There's out. There's another one like that. And that whole sequence is quite different. Also, like, who loves you, baby? Which for no reason is the catchphrase of Shanghai Nights in the movie. Not present in this <laughs> at all. There's confused. a few rewrites that make like, no sense. Yeah, there was a part where, like, um, when they break out and they're in disguises and they, like, show up at Artie's house... And he says, like, you guys look ridiculous. Oh, in the movie, Owen Wilson is like, oh, I think we look great. And they just go in. In the book, he's like, oh, last time I let you pick out the costumes, Wang. It's like, whoa, okay, that was unnecessary. Right. You have to imagine some of it was on the day Owen Wilson just said something funny. Because he is a screenwriter. Yeah. Owen Wilson knows I didn't how think to about that. That's write true. jokes. And I'm sure the stuff didn't fit into his mouth. He's like, I'm just going to add a couple wows here. And yeah, also, like, just make it better. Notoriously, Owen Wilson is like, "What if we made this nicer?" Yes, <laughs> like, yes. He is well known for being like, "This is kind of mean. Can we soften it up?" Like as a screenwriter, as like a guy on set. So the idea that he would, instead of making it like Jackie Chan, you did wrong, to make it like we're great, we like ourselves. That feels That's very. Good, Owen. I didn't think about that. I love that. I didn't know that about 
<clears throat> like his style. I didn't know that he had like a reputation for that, but um, that was what I was going to say about that interaction is that whoever, like if Ellen Miles did get that from the script, the script said, you know, you made us look like fools, whatever. Um, that's a misreading of their relationship. Their yeah. relationship would be, you think we look stupid? I think we look yep. great. You know, yeah. we're Roy O'Bannon and the Shanghai Kid. Who are you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. A lot of the book, in the way that it's simplified emotionally, a lot of it you get moments where Roy's like, I'm sorry, I love you, I'm trying, which is exactly right and on brand. And then there are these moments that are like, well, that's not, that's not correct. You've gotten it wrong. And it, it has to be that she got an early version of the script and doesn't have the like flavor that the actors bring to it which really makes that relationship so rich and lovely. Would it be funny if I went onto the IMDb pages for a bunch of light comedies and I wrote that bit of trivia in that's like always in dramas where I'm like, so-and-so, like hero of the film, was originally meant to die at the end. That's <laughs> funny. But on like stuff like Shanghai Nights, you can see crumbs suggesting that the Shanghai kid will sacrifice his life at the end. But then the studio got too afraid and they pulled. I don't it. think you should make up lies. No, I don't think you should do that. <laughs> funny bit. <laughs> can we uh, can we talk about the actual prose in the book? What do you guys think of it? Pretty traditional children's novelization fare, like. Once in a while, it drops a big word, and I was like, oh, how fun. Mostly, like, pretty straightforward, not a lot of interiority. Like, this is a funny kind of novelization, like, kind of the pinnacle of children's novelizations, I think. Where, like, I had fun reading it. There was stuff where I was like, why are we changing this? But still had a good time. Yeah, it, like, cuts out all the boobs, but keeps the main thrust of the movie. Like, I'm so confused as to why this one has a children's novelization and Shanghai Noon, a much more wholesome movie, does not. <laughs> I'm just, like, shocked. I would imagine that it has to do with the success of Shanghai Noon. Yeah, but what if we were reading Shanghai Noon, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, that would be pretty cool. I mean, I'm pretty sure we joke about writing novelizations a lot. I'm pretty sure I could write Shanghai Noon in, like, a week or two. <laughs> The nice thing about Shanghai Noon is that there's so much descriptive scenery and stuff to write about. It's a little bit harder when you're like, and there were cobblestone streets and the stones were rocky. Yeah, it, it really yeah. is felt. That's a great point. It I I felt very acutely that like the first film was shot in locations. Like I'm sure some of those landscapes were map paintings, but like they were at least outside in beautiful places. And mm -hmm. you really can feel in Shanghai Nights that they're on sets, which takes away a little bit of the magic. Of the three junior novelizations we've read so far... I think four if you count Sixth Sense. Okay. I'd say this... I mean, this was certainly stronger prose and more interesting prose than either Rugrats or Good Burger. Like, it felt... I, and I think because they were... Those were... I mean, Sixth Sense, obviously, is a big boy movie. It's about death and ghosts and things. But those first two that we read were such kid movies with a kid adaptation that it was at least interesting to say, okay, how's she going to handle this scene when knowing that she would have to sort of make – and you said PG in the opening. This is a PG-13 movie sort of – Is it actually? Yeah. They're both PG-13. Really? I don't think you could have references oh. to the Kama Sutra and face licking in a PG movie in The face licking is like – it was like shockingly erotic. 
I feel like if I read that, like, oh, someone licks his face, I'd be like, oh, that must be funny. But in the moment, I was like, okay, I think it's too hot for what's happening. And in the outtake, (laughs) Owen Wilson asks if he should lick her face back in the outtake. And that's, I was like, not that cool. No, I was like, Owen, (laughs) he asks. Especially because they cut away before she says anything. She's sort of just like, yes. I'd be like, Uh, lick my face, Owen. We simply must give credit. That he, I agree, I would let him lick my face. But um, he asks permission and waits to be told yes or no. That's so true. Yep, he had an idea. He's like, is this funny? Is this a thing we should do? No? Okay, I won't do it. Good point. This isn't actually an attack on Owen Wilson because he he seems like a a very nice guy. I'm ride or die. Yeah, we do love the Owen. Owen. I, I agree that he's like I love all the Wilsons seeming considerate in that in that outtake. But that, there's a recent um, issue that I was reading about where they're like they're starting to prohibit um, people from asking for more nudity or anything on set, like even if it's fully consensual, because they just like don't want to put people in situations where they even feel pressured to like change what they've agreed to. That's really cool. Interesting. I like hearing that. I would also like to raise on the Owen Wilson point. This is like Shanghai Noon is his first like major studio picture where he's like the lead. Mm-hmm. And then by Shanghai Nights, he has become a full movie star. Yeah. With a persona. I mean, what does he do? I got to look up what he did in this period because I know he sort of breaks out in the Wes Anderson movies. Yeah. Well, he. Mostly in supporting roles is in Bottle Rocket, in which he is, like, the second lead. Then he has, like, a bunch of supporting roles in, like, three or four things as, like, the, he was in the fifth lead. He is in Anaconda as a puka shell necklace boy. Um, then he's in Shanghai Noon. Then he's in Zoolander. <laughs> oh, Meet the Parents, Zoolander, yeah. Royal Tenenbaums. Just, like, a, a big, all of a sudden, he's, like, crushing it. Then Shanghai Nights. Spy. Right, so, like... Yeah, in between these two movies, he like becomes a star with a persona, and I feel like this, like Shanghai Noon, is very much his like sweet, nice persona that he had. I think is who he is, and Shanghai Nights is like horny Owen Wilson. That's your and thing, it kind of works right? out with the character, and that's a notable difference because it's like, oh, now he has money and he wrote all these books about himself, and so people know who he is. Kind of whoever read the book, it's a little bit confusing, like. He says the books didn't really make money, but then the people in England have read the books. And so I'm like, well. Everyone they meet yeah. has read the books. Or at least yeah, the yeah. one. Which sort of feels like a spinoff of his character from Royal Tenenbaums. <laughs> he's like writing books about the Old West. I did not realize Owen Wilson is in the Jackie Chan Around the World in 80 Days, which is also like a Victorian era. Yeah. I think he has a very small Comedy. part in that movie. But I feel like they had a nice working relationship. And they're like, yes, you want to come do a day on my movie? Uh, it was, uh, Zoe, I think you I was talking to about Around the World in 80 Days when we were watching Shanghai Noon. I was talking to somebody about it recently. Anyway, the when I went to see that movie, which I barely remember any of, uh, I really wasn't enjoying it very much. It just It just was a movie that, I don't know, it, it wasn't enough of anything. It wasn't, like, dramatic. It wasn't comedic. Uh to my liking and i remember there's a guy with like a wailing baby in the theater and he was so taken 
with the film that he would like leave with the baby, try to calm it down and then come back in. Cause he like need like stand in the corner, like just ready to run out at any second. If the baby cried, cause he was absolutely wrapped by around the world in 80 days. And I, I just remember thinking like, I get that. I love movies. I don't get that with this movie. What are you doing? Leave. That's funny. <laughs> You're like, yeah. not worth it. Take your baby home, dude. <laughs> that baby needs to go yeah, to sleep. Exactly. <laughs> uh, uh, on the pros question, I thought this book was pretty great from like a composition standpoint. I think the Nickelodeon novelizations we've done both had really like, this book is for first graders and was written by a fifth grader energy. And <laughs> I don't know, if you just look at the, the, be- uh, the beginning of this book, the first couple lines are um, one soft, flat snowflake drifted down out of a blank white sky. It fell slowly, lazily, until it landed without a sound on the very top of the gate of supreme harmony. Then another snowflake fell, and another, until there were dozens of them, huge white dancing, huge white flakes dancing in the sky over the smooth red tiled roofs. Now, written so that a child can read it, for sure. Written with a little panache. Some imagery there, yeah. I mean, there's some nice imagery. Like, she has a really good flow where she she understands, like, short sentence, long sentence, short sentences, like, satisfying that, you know, I, I don't know. She's I, I really thought that of all the junior novelization authors, she seemed to be having the most fun and also treating her child readers with the most intelligence or assuming that they had the most intelligence. She took it seriously. Yeah. yeah. I, I look, I liked the book. I had a nice time reading it. I did too. I think I missed a little bit of their relationship more, but I think it's hard to do without seeing like when you're watching a movie, it's so easy to see the chemistry between people. I think it's a lot harder reading the stuff when it, there is so much action going on and we're already kind of supposed to like know that they have an established relationship. I think that you kind of have to like rely on yourself to fill those holes in a little bit. I, yeah, I'd i like especially- to talk about the action in these movies. I just thought sure. it was incredible. The action in oh, Shanghai yeah. Nights is more impressive than in Shanghai Noon. They really just let Jackie Chan go wild, and they're so and good. Yeah. Did he choreograph the sequences, I assume? I assume. I think so. Because it's just, there's just such an... One, there's an artistry to just the action itself. Like, people are doing impressive things. But also in the way it's filmed, they just always choose the angle that showcases the reality of it the most. Mm-hmm. I feel like. Like, you're always... There's not a lot of cuts. You know, we're, we're just getting to see interesting action play out... And a lot of the humor of the action is like, I'm thinking of the scene in uh, the the library with the ladder, mm-hmm. where he's like stuffing guys in the ladder. It's going back and forth, all these things, and you're seeing that basically play out in like a long shot master, and it makes it all the more impressive and fun and enthralling because it just plays. It plays like a dance almost. The book yeah. really can't compete with how good no. the action is because there's that sequence out in like that courtyard where he basically uses like the same piece of wood in six different ways to like evade these 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 thieves and so he like hits them with it and then he uses it like a seesaw to send some people flying and then he uses yeah. it as a ramp and in the book in that sequence she's just saying things like uh 
he threw the board up in the air and then landed on the same board. And I was like, that, that doesn't do it justice. She also uses a lot of language like scissor kicks, bicycle kicks. I'm like, I don't, I don't know the difference between these things, I'm afraid. I feel like you have to imagine, we, we think like, you know, if she was working with uh, just a script or only saw a little bit of the movie, you have to imagine someone's doing a movie with Jackie Chan. They know there's going to be fighting. They probably just wrote, they fight. (laughs) Yeah. And then Jackie's like, all right, what do we have? We have umbrellas. Great. We'll factor umbrellas into this. And that doesn't seem like stuff that was maybe pre-production. That feels like they may have decided that closer to shooting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I I would not be surprised if there were just like swaths of this script that were like, put here what you, what you will. You know, uh, yeah. just the opposite of like you know, Marvel previs type stuff, where instead of being like, this is the action we've decided on, they're like, this is the story we've decided on. Yeah. And there are fights. Here's point A, it. here's point B. Jackie will decide how we get there. Um, yeah. And he's so good at that. I would love to hear, like, Jackie Chan talk about his own history of being regulated. Because allegedly in the early days, like the police story days, he was just doing heinously dangerous things and like stuntmen were but you know willingly because they they were in it with him they were like willingly getting injured and like messing up and like breaking their legs and stuff and there's no way that would persist into the 2000s i wonder how sort of regulation encroached on him as the years went on i think he also got better at it and started working with like more professional stunt teams Mm -hmm. who like he comes out of Chinese opera where it is much more like dance and it's showier that way. And I feel like once you know what you're doing with that and you have people who know how to do it, it becomes less dangerous mm-hmm. as opposed to like taking stunt guys and being like, here's the plan, do it in one. And they're like, well, uh, we're going to fuck it up. <laughs> like yeah. you can't just like leap into these things. And you have to also imagine, I mean, by the time he gets to like rush hour, even a couple years before this, he's already forty-five. He's yeah. not young anymore. Mm-hmm. Like he's probably like aware of the limitations of his body as it's aging. And in this movie, he's almost fifty. Mm-hmm. Just so. Wild. So it's just like it's. I mean, he's both at the height of his craft, but also probably like I don't want to break my back. There right. are really funny parts in the like bloopers where he like misses, misses, misses. And we'll pop up and be like, oh, no, like, you're supposed to catch me. <laughs> He's like, <laughs> yeah. It just seems like a great sport about it, uh, but definitely goes to show like it takes a lot of practice and you won't always get it right. Was was the actress who played the sister like a martial artist or a stunt person at all? Because obviously Donnie Yen can do his own stunts. There's a funny bit of trivia on IMDb. Who's to say if it's true? But I felt like it was written by someone who like worked on the movie. <laughs> which the bit of trivia was like the sister did not have any experience in the martial arts however she had a background in ballet which helped her to a degree to a degree <laughs> wikipedia says that they had a hard time finding an actress who could do all of the pieces uh and then they found her and liked her so much that they increased the number of scenes she was in by 30 percent Hmm. which tracks based on if the book is based on an early Yeah, draft. that's a good point. And she is super engaging. Like she's great. I mean, she's great. I, Love I, her. I, I know you would probably disagree, Hannah, but like I could see a world where you know, the per- it feels creepier where 
the Owen Wilson character is like, oh, this lady's hot. I want to be with her. (laughs) But you sort of like, she sort of like plays in all the interactions, the growing interest in Owen Wilson, Mm -hmm. where you actually believe that she's into him. Like the way she smiles at him, you're like, why does no one? Yeah, she's charmed. I agree. I like their relationship. And I really like at the end of the book when she, there's a part like really, really close to the end where she like goes maybe to kiss him. And he like shyly looks away. <laughs> like he gets a little shy about it. And I, yeah, it's on page 142. Um, like they part ways to go hunt down Rathbone in the, in Big Ben. And then she turned to Roy. Suddenly shy, he turned away. But Chun Lin pulled him into an embrace. Be careful, she said. I'm like, that's sweet. That is so sweet. They have a cute thing going on. And she is just as interested. Like, mm-hmm. even from the beginning, she sees him and she's like, what's his deal? <laughs> like, I like that so much. The book gives her slightly more agency in general. I mean, that's a terrific example. And then also the scene where they're in the, the carriage uh, and... Uh, Jackie Chan's sitting in the back and they're like flirting in the front and he gets pissed off and sandwiches himself in the middle seat in the front. Um, in the movie, the actress... Middle seat's a generous word. <laughs> he creates a third seat <laughs> that that wildly encroaches on their personal space. Um, in the movie, the, the actress playing his sister sort of plays it... Um, she sort of plays it with uh, apathy. Like, he, he he drops in between them, and she's like, I wonder why he's doing this. And uh, Owen Wilson's really annoyed by it, and she's like, whatever. In the book, she's pissed. There's a line that's like, she looked at him with, like, anger or frustration. And it's like, she, all right, so book version of this lady is, like, into Roy O'Bannon. She wants to kiss the hambo. She yeah. recognizes that he's a sweetheart and she wants to smooch him. Mm-hmm. I do think that the the movie kind of tries to have its cake and eat it too in regards to Roy's um, attitudes towards women. I, I think it's possible to have a character that's like such a ladies man and, and can't keep his eyes off women and also have him be a romantic. But something about the character, especially in Knight's, doesn't totally work for me. Like, I don't really believe him that he's ready to, like, be a loving husband and father when he's so lustful in the but second But he movie. says no. At one point, he does say no to, like, to the women. Yes, he does. At one point when he's in love, he says, but he does it in a he's way. He's like, I'm a changed man. Where he literally, he literally he says. says where were you two days ago? Yes, that's what I was going to say, which is, like, I feel like like a cheater's mentality where you're like, <laughs> instead of being like, oh, I'm so in love with my, you know, whatever. He's like, ah, the rules are so stupid. If it was two days ago, this would be fine. I don't know. Something <laughs> about it didn't work for me. The character he's in love with, he like has this moment where he's like, hey, like, can I say something to you? And she's like, sure. And he's like, you're, you have an awesome body. Yeah. <laughs> And you're like, okay. And like, she seemed so happy to hear it. It was like, one. Okay. She, yeah. She's also <laughs> yeah. wearing like, not like, it's not like she's like, has a scene where he like happens upon her and she's like in a state of undress. She's fully clothed, very buttoned up this whole movie. And he's just like, how closely are you looking at her? <laughs> he appreciates what she can do with it. <laughs> yeah. This is what I'm saying about like the difference between like 
very early Owen Wilson and movie star Owen Wilson. Like, so much of Shanghai Noon is, like, he's so kind of, like, innocent and sweet and, like, clearly likes getting mm-hmm. with women. But it's not – it doesn't feel gross or predatory in the same way. And that, and I agree that in Nights, he's, like, much more of, like, a, a wooga kind of dog. <laughs> I don't want to detract from his attractiveness at all because he's very attractive. <laughs> but I think that yeah. that's like a thing that Hollywood does to men that have like a distinct look. Where when they first come on the scene and they're playing like supporting characters, you can get co- like cast in a... I'm trying to use somebody as an example without being mean. Like, <laughs> So for example, like I feel like there's a little bit of this with like Rami Malek, where when he first came on the scene, every character he played was like, look at this weirdo. And then like as he's gained fame and, and like as his like acting chops have really presented themselves, Hollywood is suddenly trying to make the switch to like... I don't know, kind of like a hunk in his weirdness, though. And it's like, I agree. I agree that he's a hunk. I agree that he's weird hot. I'm into it. But it's like, (laughs) you're pretending that you always thought that. And you were othering him like five years ago. (laughs) I mean, that even happens in this movie. I mean, you think about the difference between Owen Wilson shirtless in his underwear, Royal Tenenbaums, and in this a few years later. It's like, he's much more, they're like, ooh, like, look at Owen Wilson in his little, like with a pillow in front of him like that's pretty sexy i simply must say though zero abs he has never had abs but he's in better shape in this than he was in royal tenenbaums zero abs though and that's what matters (laughs) hollywood loves to force people to have abs and owen wilson has always said no thank you and i love that inspiring in that way exactly it's beautiful yeah (laughs) means a lot to me um going back to the fights for a second one thing i love about this movie and both movies really is it understands that action sequences should have either like a story or a gimmick and most of the fights in these two films either have a story to them and by story i mean like probably my favorite fight in either movie is the the one in the treasure room in shanghai nights where Jackie Chan realizes that the the people working for, like, British royalty do not want any of the treasures to be broken, like these, like, antique vases and whatnot. And so every single um, thing he does, instead of being aimed at, like, hurting them, is, like, if I can put valuables in danger, that will distract them, which is such a funny idea. And then, like... Though even he's unwilling to break any of the valuables like he even tries to stop him i think and i would have to rewatch it to be sure but i think that he instinctively goes to save a vase and then realizes that the enemy is doing the same thing and then just starts like basically tossing them with abandon uh so as to occupy them um but also i just love like in shanghai noon i love the horseshoe scene not as much of like a story to that not as much of like a gimmick but just the idea of like Almost all action in this scene will involve me throwing this horseshoe on a string. It rules. Yeah. I, I also want to say that like the strength of that treasure room fight is it has a goal as well. He's like, I have to get back to that the fireplace to spin around to get back to my friends. So every action is has like this dual goal purpose of like fight the guys, get to where I'm going. Um, which I really appreciate. That's like the right way to choreograph a fight, in my opinion. On all, so many of them have that. It's not just showy, it has purpose. Right. You don't want it to just be like a mass of bodies coming at him. Because then it's like, how many more will there be and why do I care? 
And like, what are they trying to do? You know, like yeah. often that the answer to that is kill him. But he has his own goal beyond like survive, which is fun and makes the fight more like dynamic and interesting. I also loved mm-hmm. the twist where the person that was behind the paintings the whole time was actually Lynn. Because I totally thought that it was going to be the bad guy. Rathbone was going to be like peeking out. And so I, I really liked that it was her and she was able to come kick some ass. <laughs> Around that sequence, uh, after they, you know, kind of escape, Rathbone is giving a whole, you know, talking down to Scotland Yard and to Artie Doyle. Why is Artie Doyle soaking wet in that moment? Did I miss <laughs> something? I don't remember. I have no idea like, what you're talking I, I, about. I was like... <laughs> They cut back to him, and it, he's, like, literally dripping. And I'm like, is he sweaty? Is he nervous? Was there a deleted scene in which a punch bowl got thrown on his head? I I really thought I had just blacked out for the five minutes and missed some important scene. I don't remember I it don't either. I don't remember. I'm so sorry. Yeah. Well, it didn't make the book. That's <laughs> One difference that I thought was interesting between the book and the movie was, um, what's the villain's name? Rathbone? His um his death is very different because in the movie there's this uh sort of complex back and forth where he's fencing with um Jackie Chan and he keeps basically beating him like knocking the sword out of his hand but since Rathbone has like four swords he'll like throw another sword to Jackie Chan and be like come on let's go another round and then on the <laughs> yeah. last one Jackie Chan cuts the cables of like the the basically the thing holding them up. In the book, they're just doing normal sword fighting, none of that, like, doing multiple rounds thing. And Rathbone, I think, just accidentally hits a cable, which is a totally Mm -hmm. different... Like, Jackie Chan is putting himself at risk by cutting the cable and being like, I'll take you down with me. In the book, it's just like... (laughs) (laughs) No, I agree. There's so much character to that scene in that, like, he's established Rathbone as the best sword fighter in all of... England Mm -hmm. and so like he wants the sport of it he like it's like no I'm because his plan is ruined it's not like there's still anything for him to succeed at that point his plan has been foiled and so he's just like no I really want it's like you want to make him suffer nice and slowly and he also wants to play with his food a little bit and you know fight him as many times Mm -hmm. as he want to cause as much pain and I think it makes that so rewarding when Jackie takes the Sword, last sword the final time and cuts things because you see Rathbone's face and he, he's there's genuine terror of like I did not expect this I thought he was just gonna sort of suck at fighting again right it I and it's great I love that his he's you know hoisted upon his arrogance I think that's foisted as I think is what I meant but you have to you can hoist someone to then foist um correct yeah and so. that Chan is saved by yeah. having a friend his friend saves him and I thought it was a cool callback in that scene because in the first movie when they're in the bathtub and they keep doing the thing, he keeps saying like, uno mas, uno mas, you know, like he keeps saying one more. And then in the second movie during the sword fight, he keeps saying one more and one more. And I think it just really shows like he just wants to win. If he is like in any sort of competition, he wants mm-hmm. to win so bad. Yeah. Zoe, just wait till the third movie. The one more <laughs> in that one is going to be amazing. One more, one more. I will say every time we reference noon, I'm like, it makes me think like, oh wow, that movie was <laughs> like there's there's nothing like the 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 jailbreak uh, piss shirt thing or the um or the bath the bath scene. There's nothing like yeah. that in nights. 
or even like the end of Shanghai Noon when Owen Wilson is like, okay, I'm the worst shot in the world. I have terrible anxiety. I have one bullet. Time to die, I guess. And he just like miraculously, like the only time he steps forward in that movie to do action, he miraculously makes it happen. Right. And I do think it's fun in Shanghai Nights where he's like, I'm not part of this. I'm not part of this at all. I'll meet you on the other end of the fight scene. (laughs) But the way that Noon plays that dynamic is like, slightly more creative it gives owen wilson like stuff to do during the fights when in the nights he often just literally is not present Mm -hmm. yeah well you have to imagine with noon even if it was written for them there was probably more time where it was developed where they could really like nuance Mm -hmm. all of that Mm -hmm. and i mean you think about this you think about where those two actors are in their career they this there was probably movie was probably a scheduling nightmare it's probably rushed into production so I'm sure some of that is a little more like thrown together at the last minute, even though so much of it still works very well. I don't know if this reference is going to mean anything to you guys or to our listeners, but this Shanghai Nights does feel to me like the Super Mario Galaxy 2 of movies, where like when Super Mario Galaxy was made, it was like, we have this amazing new idea for a platformer. We've developed a whole new physics engine. It's going to be incredible. And then... The second game, which I do like more, was them going like, we have a couple ideas we didn't use. We just like to do an expansion pack. And then they like started doing that and they got so into it, it became like an an entire second game. And I feel like that's probably what happened with Knights was that Jackie Chan was like, I have more fight sequences I want to do. Because the fighting is like, the only way, I think Hannah, you said earlier, it, it feels like the only way in which the movie is as good and even better than Noon. And I, I just feel like they built uh, essentially a movie around, like, what are some more fun fights we can do because we have more in our bag of tricks. Yeah, I agree with that. I think that especially once they saw how well it went and how into it people were, they probably were like, all right, that was a, the, a big seller for the first movie. Let's, like, really lean into that. Andrew Marco, you witness... No, he wasn't there. Damn it. You hear about the murder of your father. Uh-huh. After hearing about the murder, you are given a little box that has a message from him in it, but you cannot figure out how to open up the box. Sure. After you and I fight over the box because I want to feel like your father's son and get the message... We accidentally pull it open, and you see the message. It says, you are able to recommend books to whomever you please. Would you recommend the novelization of Shanghai Nights, and if so, to whom? Um, you know, I I probably wouldn't recommend it independent of the movie. You know, if someone said, oh, I like that movie, or we watched it, I might say, hey, there's a junior novelization. It's kind of funny because they make it very sanitized. Mm -hmm. I might recommend it in that context, but not to someone who hadn't read, hadn't seen the movie or just wanted to read a book or even to just a kid who's like, I want like a adventure book. I don't think it has enough of that to make it worthwhile. I would certainly recommend people check out the movies again. You know, they don't make them like this anymore and it was fun to revisit them. Hannah Blackman. You are a, a gunslinger hired onto a new crew. You're a bit of a loose cannon. Uh, you um, go rogue while robbing a train, 
and are disowned by your uh, your leader, who you end up burying uh, from the neck down in the sand. You find his hand-drawn plan for the train robbery. <laughs> you unfurl it, and instead of having any actionable plan, you just see the words, you are able to recommend books to whomever you please. <laughs> would you recommend Shanghai Nights, and if so, to whom? Yes, I would recommend it. I think I said earlier, like, I think this is like the best of the junior novelizations we've read. And I think it's a very interesting style of adaptation. Like, as Margaret said, it's like very sanitized. And I think that's kind of fascinating. Like, I would recommend it to a novelization aficionado as an interesting mm -hmm. example of a novelization. Um, and yeah, if you like Shanghai Nights and feel like spending a couple hours like reading a kind of cute book that has pictures in the middle. I liked it. I liked it good. I guess yeah. we should mention that. The pictures yeah, are, are high, real high quality. Good. Yeah, they're they're right. Mm hmm Shiny. Super um, shiny. My book is like strangely stained, but <laughs> dressed as an Indian person. Ooh, look at how cute they are. Cutie patooties. And uh, not only are the photos high quality, but the entire um color scheme of the photo pages is like the Union Jack. Yeah, I like what they're doing with these. They've picked fun sort of scenes that don't give away too much of the movie. So if you read the book first, you'd be like, I want to see that with my own face. I don't know where this takes place necessarily. It doesn't give away any major points. Like the, the pictures end sort of in the midpoint of like, I don't know, two thirds of the way through the movie. You don't have any of the Big Ben fight in the pictures. You want to see it. You want to see that with your own eyes. I did think that's a great point. Like it, it made the way the pictures are maintains suspense, which is cool. Mm -hmm. um, I did think that if I were just reading this book cold, that I would see them hanging upside down in that last photo, and I'd be like, "I guess we're in for trouble." <laughs> there, there also isn't a single picture of the villain, either of the villains. Sure. Like they, they very much were like, "We know why the people are here," yeah. and it's Jackie and Owen. <laughs> Oh yeah, even Lynn only appears in like half face. <laughs> Hannah, when they when they saw how many times Ellen had written the word blonde, they were like, "We <laughs> like, cannot we put a photo of this man in the book." <laughs> they won't know who we're talking about. <laughs> I mean, they made the right choice. Zoe Pike, you see your best friend kicked through and out of the face of Big Ben. <laughs> you assume that this person has plummeted to their death. However, when you, too, plummet out the face of Big Ben, <laughs> they are there ready to grab you. They say to you quickly, because, of course, falling happens fast, that they will hold on to you <laughs> if you have a book to recommend to them. <laughs> Would you, in that situation, recommend the book Shanghai Nights? And if so... What other people? I might would. I would. It to. You know, this reminds me so much of this book. Um, yeah, Shanghai Nights. Um, <laughs> <laughs> honestly, I was thinking that this would be a great book to like read on an airplane really quick, or like I don't know. Even if the kid next to me on the airplane, I'd be like, "Hey, kid, read this." Like, I feel like it's a great book for kids who, <laughs> like, if I was younger, this is the kind of book that I would read to prove to all my classmates that like I can read better than them. Like I could read like a thicker, cooler novel <laughs> than them. I totally think that that's the kind of book that this would be for me. So um, yeah, I think I would recommend it. And if like, like Hannah said, if anybody liked Shanghai nights before and stuff like, yeah, I think I would definitely be recommending it to them. 
Amazing. Andrew. Hannah. <laughs> Andrew Overby. Hi. You are you are tenth in line to the British throne. You're kind of bitter about it. You're having a hard time with your great 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 aunt or whatever, Queen Victoria, who's kind of stuck up about stuff. <laughs> One day, she asked you to recommend a book to her. Would you recommend Shanghai Nights? And if you did, do you think she would move you up the line of succession? Well, first of all, I just want to say that I can't relate to this villain at all because if I was, <laughs> if I was top 10 in line for the throne, I'd just be thrilled to be top 10. I mean, what an honor. <laughs> um, so I can't really relate to his craven need for power. Also, when people get like really power hungry, just small tangent, like when like, I don't know, celebrities, uh, I'm not going to name any names, but when like celebrities want to become the president, um, <laughs> I don't get the appeal at all. Because like, if you're like a rich and famous, uh, you know, uh, TV reality show host or like a uh, 10th in line for the throne or whatever, you're probably living like an amazing rich guy life. So why take on a ton of responsibilities? Seems like an enormous hassle. So anyway, now that that's out of the way, <laughs> I definitely would not recommend this book to my aunt, like a, a an adult woman. <laughs> I would 100% recommend this book to its target audience, uh, a child or a tween. Uh, I think that the movies have a ton to offer. They're so charming. I think Ellen Miles does a terrific job of capturing that charm in uh, the text of this book. I also think that novelizations are just awesome. I kept thinking that while reading this book. Even though it's not my favorite one we've done, it's just so interesting how this novelization moves in both directions. It both improves upon things that were in the movie, like fleshing out uh, the Lynn character, things like that, and it also sucks in ways that the movie improves upon. And I just kept thinking, like, how amazing are these objects? And how how just, like, inherently interesting in, is this? And uh, just what a great premise for a podcast we have. <laughs> That's so lovely, Andrew. All right, well, if everyone's feeling at peace with this, uh, I think I finally have a good sign-off for Wait. the podcast. Oh, want pitch. I want to pitch what I would do with Shanghai Dawn. Okay, yeah. Oh, we should talk about what it is allegedly about, too. Uh, yeah, I like the idea that they go to China and Owen Wilson is in China. I think mm -hmm. that will, if they ever make it, that will be fantastic. Because in the first movie, they're on his turf. So it's just like right. an obvious reversal. And then they're both fish out of water, and then Owen should be out of water. I right. love that. That right. would be delightful. Um, especially now when we're like 20 years later. Yes, yes. <laughs> That'd be great. Um, but my pitch for Shanghai 3, Dawn of Justice, is knowing that Roy O'Bannon is Wyatt Earp. I think we should return to that. We do Tombstone, where the other Wilson brothers are the other Earps. Oh my God. <laughs> and Jackie Chan does the Doc Holliday stuff. Michael Bean reprises. Slight twist, since we're like living in a completely alternate reality. <laughs> Let's have... Let's take your idea, which is Owen Wilson is Wyatt Earp. Like, not even just a guy named Wyatt Earp. He legitimately no, is. He is and the he Wyatt has, Earp. He has to team up with movie star John Wayne. That would be good, too. I think we can have it all. Yeah, I think that the third movie should just 
embrace like this multiverse that they've created <laughs> i'm like obsessed with the reveal that he's wyatt earp and that wyatt earp had two other earp brothers and so does owen wilson yes and i'm like incredible. let's get the wilsons as the earps let's do it i want it so bad i want andrew wilson in a fucking movie <laughs> hey look if it was me i'd buy the pitch thank you unfortunately it's a Disney property, and we'll get some stupid Disney Plus version, I'm sure. I think Owen's too good for that. I think he'd be like, no, thank you. Also, I think Jackie Chan is too good for like a Disney Plus series, Shanghai Dawn. They'd just be like, mm, it, no. According to the Shanghai film series Wikipedia, Jared Hess, the director of Napoleon Dynamite, is attached to direct the third film, which to me does not bode well. Fascinating. For the style we're going for. It should be said that the the... It'll never come out. It doesn't exist. It will never exist. That's what I was going to say. The the third one has been removed from Jackie Chan and Owen Wilson's IMDb, even as like a possible future film. And IMDb is so liberal with those. IMDb is like, (laughs) you mentioned you might do a sequel to like Godfather 3. It's on your IMDb. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I would love a Shanghai 3. I just think it's been too long. It's off the table. Yeah. And these movies don't exactly have the like cultural like warmth associated to them for people to be like, I would really like that. Like I think people aren't thinking about these movies as often as I wish they were. I think that's a, a an under discussed aspect of reboot culture is like, yes, we're seeing every TV show that was ever a hit come back, and every film series have like a legacy sequel, but somehow it feels like that makes forgotten things be irredeemably dead like it it somehow feels more impossible than it would have like five six years ago pre force awakens to get like a a shanghai noon sequel Mm -hmm. these days anywho anywho i think i finally figured out how to sign off on the podcast i'm i'm excited to share it with you all so thank you to our listeners for listening to authorize tuning into to another one we've got die another day coming up next week which will be exciting. Please rate us, please review our podcast in a way that makes us feel warm and not in a way that makes us feel like trash. Uh, Please subscribe (laughs) to our podcast. Please tell your friends about it uh, and, you know, and just share it in general. Okay, just wanted to say, all men dream, but not equally. Those who dream by night in the dusty recesses of their minds wake in the day to find it was in vanity. But the dreamers of the day are dangerous men, for they may act on their dreams with open eyes to make them possible. Good night.